Tonight, I wanted to bring, start with bringing a, a topic that is always fun for me to talk about because I'm, I'm a conspiracy theory guy. I, I want to know who killed JFK, like all that kind of stuff. Like, I, it's just fascinating. But one of the, the more recent conspiracy theories that I think that we uh, probably all are familiar with is this idea of uh, targeted ads on your phone, right? Is the question is, is your phone listening to you? And for some of us, we're like, you know what? Forget listening. It can read my mind. Like, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that out loud, but here is an ad for the very thing I was looking for, right? It started, like, we, we have these people that, that, that come up with these algorithms and whatever your phone's doing, listening, watching, whatever, perceiving, uh, it, what's going on is like, they're, they're putting a lot of money into figuring out what we want, right? And, and I think this, this whole idea of targeted ads has ratcheted up the advertising and marketing world. Um, and, here, and here's what I know. I know that your eyeballs, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the eyes, and my eyeballs are worth a whole lot. Let me read these to you. In 2019, a 30-second Super Bowl ad was $5.2 million. They spent $5.2 million for 30 seconds to get something in front of you, just to look at it. Forget whether it was a good ad or a bad ad. They bet $5.2 million for 30 seconds. Across the globe in 2019, it was estimated that marketing firms and advertising firms surpassed $560 billion in advertising. $560 half a trillion dollars to get something in front of your eyes, in front of my eyes. And then this year, digital marketing experts say that the average American is exposed to four to 10,000 ads every day. Think about that for a second. How, like, how, how's that even possible? Between TV, radio, our phones, whatever it may be, websites that you know, they're on the side of the screen, 4,000 minimum per day. And so at the end of the day, like, here's, here's the reality, and, th and this is what I would argue, is that our eyes are the most coveted thing about us when it comes to the world we live in. Because our world has literally put a price on our eyes. And if the world knows the value of our eyes, it makes me wonder, have we ever stopped to think about the value of our own eyes? Not for the sake of a marketing campaign or an advertising campaign, but if we ever stop to think about what is the value of your eyes for your own sake and for the sake of those around us? Because the marketing experts know. They know that if they can get you discontented enough to buy this product, then it will make your whole life better. That they'll hope all your friends will see it and they'll want to buy it too. I've got two kids in middle school or going into middle school, pray for me, um, pray for what my Taylor. Um, but we see it. They go to school, and there's a new trend, right? Shoes, clothes, brand, whatever. And they come home, and they're like, hey, I would like to get this. Advertising worked. Got something in front of our eyeballs, and it affected them, and it affected those around us. And so tonight, I want to talk about the fact that our eyes are more valuable than we think. 
our eyes are more valuable than we think. If you have your Bible, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. But as let me get you caught up real quick as you get to Matthew chapter 6. This is week four of our Anatomy of a Christian series. We started off, like Jay talked about, just talking about the body and the fact that God created it and he gave it to us. He didn't have to give us a body. We could have been spiritual beings, but he decided, I'm going to give you a body, legs, feet, arms, hands, hair, eyes, mouth, ears. He gave us the whole thing. And it works. It's an amazing thing. And then the next week we talked about what does it like to mean to have the mind of Christ? As Christians, what does it mean that our mind would be the mind of Christ? And then last week we talked about what it means to look at the heart. Because the heart is the wellspring of life. Everything comes from it. If you weren't with us, go online, gatheringokc.com, and, and you can watch those and get caught up. But one of the themes that I'm seeing and I hope that you're catching on to is that when it comes to the anatomy and scripture, there's very rarely a, a text that does not intermingle with another part of the anatomy. All right? It's all interwoven. And we're going to see that again today. I mean, some, some of the most famous lines in scripture are, com are combined, right? Jesus says, come and see. It involves your feet and your eyes. In the Psalms, David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so you see all throughout Scripture, they're tying these things together. And we're going to see it again tonight as we look at the eyes. Because in Proverbs 4.23, what we talked about last night, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It is the wellspring of life. So we need to guard our hearts. Well, guarding our hearts starts with our eyes. I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm going to guess that mm, 85 to 95% of what we intake goes through our eyes. And so guarding our heart starts with the eyes. Matthew chapter 6 is the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' most famous sermon. It's the longest sermon. Uh, the the uh, crowd that he is addressing is specifically his disciples. It says that the crowd heard, but he, originally he went up with his disciples just to talk to his boys, his followers. But it's just like Jesus, wherever he went, a crowd followed. And so more than his disciples heard it, but the heart of what he is saying in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount is geared for the believer. And so we're going to use Matthew 6 as our launching off point because it begs a question. Here we go. Verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this is a little bit of, you know, like what the heck is he talking about? So let me walk through here and give you a couple different words to think about. Number one, he says, if your eyes are healthy, that word healthy means undivided. It's whole. In fact, this text right here is, is sandwiched right in between Two sections of the scripture where Jesus is talking about money, right? You cannot have two masters. You will love one and hate the other, right? And so he's talking about having an undivided heart. The whole body will be full of light. And that term light and that term darkness, think of it this way. Think about godliness and ungodliness or goodness and evil, okay? So your whole body will be full of goodness or godliness. But if your eyes are unhealthy... Your whole body will be full of evil or ungodliness. If then 
the goodness within you is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? And you're like, well, wait, Andy, this, he's saying light can be dark. Well, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. There are things out in this world that are going to look like godliness. There are things that are going to look like righteousness. There are things that are going to look like good things. And we're going to give our lives to those things. But it's Satan masquerading. He's wearing a mask. And he's deceiving. And so then it goes back to the eye of the lamp. The eye is the lamp of the body. So the, the, the eye is extremely important. The principles, just very quickly, we're going to move through this and then get into a little bit more. Uh, the principles here we see are three things from these two verses. Number one, your eyes are a window pane that illuminates your whole body. Your eyes are a window that illuminates everything. Your heart, your soul, your mind, it illuminates all of it. It is the lamp of the body. A lamp illuminates where there is darkness. Secondly, your eyes determine the body's master. We see that in verse 23. Your eyes will determine what your body follows. Because your eyes will look at and follow and gaze upon the desires of the heart. And then thirdly, the principle we get out of these two, and this is in verse 24, I didn't include it here, but your eyes will cultivate integrity or division within yourself. The eyes will cultivate either integrity of, of undivided heart, or it will cultivate a division, right? And what Jesus is talking about, hey, you can't love God and money. You cannot have two masters. So what does this eye of the lamp mean for the Christian? I think I put this on the screen. The eye of the lamp, just for an easier term, is our eyes are the doorway to us. It is the doorway to us. That's why advertising firms and marketing firms work so hard and pay so much money to try to get in there. To try to just get in front of our face. Because they know if they can get in front of here, they've gotten in here. Our eyes are the doorway to us. Proverbs 4.23, again, above all else, guard your heart for everything we do flows from it. And so it makes our eyes extremely important when it comes to guarding our hearts. Because the fact is, what goes in will in some way come out. What we intake will produce an output, okay? Let me give you an example. My dad... Uh, when they lived out in California for a time, he, was a, he would travel. He'd drive like four to five hours a day seeing clients. And in the car, he would listen to political talk radio. Fantastic, right? And then when he would come home, he'd turn on the TV and watch the talking heads talk about politics. And my brother and I, this is a, a while ago, uh, probably more like 10, 15 years ago, we, we went out there one Christmas and we could just tell that dad was in a bad mood. He was just grumpy, just complaining and, you know, whatever, just in a bad mood. And we said, Mom, what's going on? Like, why, what's wrong with dad? Why is he so, ugh? And she's like, oh, because he's listening to that garbage and watching that garbage. That's all he watches. And I'm like, that's it. So we had an intervention with my dad. Like, you need to stop watching this stuff. Because it is tainting not only you, but it's affecting everyone around you. Our eyes are more important than we think. 
They're more valuable than we think because they are the doorway to our heart, our mind, and our soul. Therefore, they are the doorway to our life. And so we have to take our eyes seriously. Like, I wonder if all the time and energy that these, these marketing and advertising firms spend thinking about your eyes, how much time do we actually think about the value of our eyes? The importance of our eyes. Because our eyes are more valuable than we think. Therefore, and here's my first point tonight, is that our eyes are more valuable than we think, so we need to be intentional with our eyes. We need to be intentional with our eyes. We need to think differently about our eyes. They're the lamp of the body. They illuminate. They fill the heart. They fill the soul. They fill the mind. Because our eyes are the doorway. And what is the intention of the Christian eyes? It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So what we look at, what we gaze upon, right? The eyes of our heart, maybe, the things we ponder on. The intention is to glorify God with our eyes. We can't leave this to chance because I guarantee you the marketers and the advertisers are not leaving their product up to chance. They are paying Facebook and Instagram to find out who you are so that they can give you an advertisement just for you. They're not taking your eyes for chance. Like, man, I hope Andy sees this. No, they're paying big bucks to make sure that I see it. And so we can't leave our eyes to chance and just hope it all works out. Job, we see in in chapter 31, he says, I will not look upon a woman with lust. David says in Psalm 101.3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Meaning the converse is also true that what I will put before my eyes is of great value. That's what I will put in front of my eyes. It was intentional. And in Acts 28, I'm going to read this more at the end probably, but Paul is talking to the Jews in Rome, and he says this, you are always seeing but never perceiving. You're, never, you're always seeing, right? He was talking to them about Jesus being the Messiah. They knew the whole Old Testament. They knew every story up and down. They had it memorized. He's like, you see it, but you do not perceive what's happening. Let me give you an example of how this plays out in my life every day, uh, especially during this season because my kids watch like, probably average of two and a half movies a day. And so we will all come home on a regular basis, like, hey, can we watch a movie tonight? Like, it's something new. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's sit down and watch a movie. And, and so I try and get them into movies that I watched as a kid. And so, like, with my son Charlie, we got into Jurassic Park, watched all the Jurassic Parks, right? Because I was in high school when those came out, and he loves dinosaurs now. But anyway, without fail, without fail, 10 minutes in, hey, Dad, who's that? Hey, Dad, what's going on? Is he going to die? You know, like all the questions start coming out. I'm like, just watch the movie. It'll it'll all be explained. 30 minutes in. Dad, who's that? Does he like her? Is she going to (laughs) die? Just watch the movie. And it will explain all of this two hours into the movie. Dad, who's that? That's the main character, son. We've been two hours. Does he love her? Yes, he does. He almost died for her multiple. Like, and just this is every movie we watch. You may have a friend like this. 
right? And what you want to say is you're always seeing, but you're never perceiving. You're not watching with intention to actually get what's happening. Typically because my kids are in and out, going to the bathroom, getting food, running outside, doing some cartwheels, you know, getting coming back in and be like, what's going on? I'm like, watch the movie. Because they're not watching with intention. They're in the room with the movie, but they're not perceiving what's happening. And if I'm honest, over my years on this earth and my years in the church, that's a lot like me when I come to church. I'm in the room. But I'm not seeing or perceiving with intention. I'm just participating. Checking my phone. Figuring out what I'm going to do afterwards. I go to small group. And I can't wait for that person to be quiet. Instead of, do I see what we're actually talking about? Am I seeing Jesus? Does it matter if it's the type of music you like or the song that you wish they would have played or the, the, the speaker or the pastor is your style? Like we get caught with the distractions instead of listening with intention. And so our eyes are more valuable than we think. So we need to be intentional with our eyes. Number two, our eyes are more valuable than anything, so we need to be careful with our eyes. Not just intentional, but we need to be careful with our eyes because our eyes are the doorway to us. Like, I don't know about you, but how do you react when somebody knocks on your door at your house? You're like, wait, who's that? Right? Anybody comes to your house, they knock on the door, ring the doorbell, you're checking your ring app. Like, we have a doorbell with a camera. Like, we are suspicious. We are an untrusting generation. Like, when I grew up, I mean, I, I probably shared this with you before, but like, when I grew up, if the doorbell rang, that was a good thing. Like, somebody's here! It's probably one of my friends. There was no cell phones, they just came over. But we're suspicious of when people come to our actual front door. What do they want? Who is it? Depending on your personality, you might just sit quietly, hoping they will just go away. Turn the lights off, right? This is what we do. We're weird. We are weird people. But we are careful who we let into our home. Our eyes are the doorway to us. Are we being careful with what we let in to the thing, the wellspring of life? Proverbs 4, 25 and 26 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought. Careful thought to the paths of your feet and the steadfast, and be steadfast in all of your ways. Get, put your gaze straight ahead. And don't look to the side. Know where you're going. You know, I've had a lot of failures as a dad. But one of the, my favorite success stories um, is watching TV with my kids. Because early on... Um, when we would watch cartoons, we got past the cartoon phase. And it usually started when dad was watching football. And there would become a commercial on. And the commercial super inappropriate for a five-year-old. You know, like, and I'm like, guard your eyes. And we had this conversation long ago. Will, Annie, Hank, Charlie, guard your eyes. And so now is my greatest joy. We'll be watching a show, a movie. And I'll hear one of my kids from the other room be like, guard your eyes. 
and I look in the living room, they're all like this. Right? My oldest starts to go like this. But that's their natural, like they've been taught by a dad who loves them. Be careful with your eyes. Because when we're not careful, it can be good or bad things that will plant a seed in our heart. And even at five, six, seven years old, there's a seed that is planted. Whether it's violence or sexual content or language. Like I want to guard my kids from that. Which begs this question. I shared this with Mary Ashton and Jason. Today. I was like, it dawned on me as a dad. Like, At what point does it become appropriate? If it's not appropriate for my kids who I dearly love. And I want to protect them at all costs. At what point does it turn and say, this is appropriate? Just a question I wrestle with on a regular basis. Psalm 119.37 says, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. That word preserve means to remain alive. Turn my eyes from worthless, worthless things. Remain alive my life according to your word. Which the converse is also true. Right? Again, if turning my eyes from worthless things sustains and keeps me alive by living according to his word, then when I allow worthless things before my eyes, they will lead to death. They will destroy. So the question that I have to ask is what or who are you watching? What or who are we watching? I think too often... We allow the things that Jesus Christ died on the cross for to entertain us. We, we are patient with it because uh, I, I, it doesn't affect me. It's like, it's like teenage Annie, like, well, I can listen to that song, Mom. I don't listen to the lyrics. I just listen to the beat, right? Like, we kind of carry that along. And so if we're going to look at our eyes, we have to ask ourselves, what are we watching? And what are we welcoming into our eyes, into the doorway of our heart and our soul and our mind Are we being careful with our eyes? And lastly, our eyes are more valuable than we think, so be watching Jesus. So be watching Jesus. Yes, we need to be watch, have intention with our eyes. Yes, we need to be careful and maybe remove some things and, and, and guard our eyes. So what do we do then? Be watching Jesus. Because the eyes are the doorway to us. And really, when, we, when we're talking about watching, when we're talking about seeing, like this is, if I'm honest, like this is really a conversation about the affections of our heart. What do I desire? What do I long for? Because those are the things that I will watch and that I will see and that I will allow in front of my face. And so a lot of this conversation is really a conversation about what are the affections and desires of your heart? is the desire to glorify God in whatever we do greater than my desire to be entertained by a particular show or a particular outlet or whatever it may be. And we're going to have to retrain our eyes. Like, no bones about it. We're going to have to do some hard work. Like, be watching Jesus means be willing to do some hard things and retrain yourself. I love to golf. I don't get to do it very often. But... When I was working at a camp teaching kids how to golf, which I shouldn't have been doing, I was just at the camp, 
we had some counselors that were college golfers. And I'm like, hey, you got to help me. <laughs> like, I am just, I'm all over the place. And the first thing they did was they had to un, I had to unlearn bad habits. And it was hard because I got worse at golf before I got better. Because I had to unlearn all the things that I had trained myself to do. And when we are watching Jesus, we're going to have to engage in some difficult conversations with one another, with ourselves. Hey, I've got to to unlearn some things. Hebrews 12, the author says, fix your eyes on Christ. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He endured the cross. That's obedience. He went to the cross to be obedient. Not because he had to. Not because God twisted his arm. Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him. There is a reward coming. That's why he endured the cross. It's not just struggle. It's struggle for a reward. We do this all the time in all areas of life. We struggle because we know there's something that we want. Again, the affections of our heart. Do we want to follow Jesus? Do we want to live for the glory of God more than I want to be seeing this or watching that? It's an affection issue. We need to see Jesus. Matthew 11, I shared this last week. I'm going to share it again because I told you it's one of my favorites. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He says, watch me and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. He's inviting you in to watch with your eyes. Watch me. Watch how I treat people. Watch what I get angry about. Watch how I think. Watch how I speak. Watch how I live and learn. Don't always be seeing but never perceiving. He says, watch me and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Philippians 4a, Paul continues this thought. Finally, brothers, And sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Guys, I can't think of anything more true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy than the cross of Jesus Christ. That the God of the universe would care for you and love you so much that he would send his son to take the penalty that we deserve. That is praiseworthy. And that is noble. And that is true and it is right and it is good. And so when we're thinking and we're seeing with intention, when we are being careful with our eyes and we divert ours, we guard our eyes, well then what do we look at? We look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. Galatians 5.16, Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Fix your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Watch him and learn from him, and you will find rest for your souls. And when it's hard, and when the temptation comes along again and again and again, we don't just grit our our teeth and bear it. We go to the Spirit. We say, Spirit, help me. Help me. We go to God's Spirit. You go to God's people, and you say, let's help me. 
help turn my affection. I'm, I'm tempted right now. I don't want to do this. We lean on the Spirit. It's not all on you. You see, we're a ministry that says we want to be a place where we belong, where we can be known, and where we can become like Christ. You go to our website, maybe you've never been there, but that's what it says. That a young adult ministry so that we can belong to a place, be, be known by these people, that we might become like Christ. And we can only become like Christ when we watch Jesus. And we watch and we learn and we imitate. And we re retrain our instincts to match Jesus. So when you read your Bible, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Ask yourselves questions like this. What do I see Jesus doing? How do I see him speak to other people? What do I see him get passionate about? How do I see him deal with controversy, difficult people? How do I see him? Because he says, watch me. He invites you in. He's, man, he, is, he ain't going to screw up. He says, watch me. Because the rest of your life will be determined by what you feed your heart. And we feed our hearts primarily through our eyes. Because your eyes are more valuable than you think. And what you feed your heart today will produce something tomorrow. So in recap, your eyes are valuable. So be intentional with them. Be careful with them and be watching Jesus with them. And so what does this mean for us? I want to offer three things. Number one, ask yourself this question, what are you feeding your eyes? Like we talked two weeks ago about the screen time of your mind. Like tonight it's just like, look at your screen time. What are you feeding? What are you putting in front of your face? What are you putting in front of those eyes that are getting into the doorway of you? And now it has access to your heart and to your mind and to your soul. So what are you feeding your eyes? If, if you were to look at a buffet of last week's meal plan, what did you eat? Number two, what do you need to start, stop, or keep doing in regards to your eyes? What do you need to start doing that you're not currently doing? What do you need to stop doing that you are doing? And for a lot of you, maybe it's just unfollowing some people. That every time you see them post, it does something to your spirit. Every time you see them post something or there's an image that comes across, it, your mind starts going down a road you don't want to go down. Maybe it's time to unfollow. Maybe it's just time to get off social media. Maybe it's time to remove that from your life. Or what do you need to keep doing? Because some of you are doing a great job. You've done, you've done the hard work. Keep going. Keep going. Don't let Satan get in there and say, like, oh, you're okay now. You can go back. No, keep going. Pursue obedience with your eyes. And then lastly, read the Bible to see Jesus. Don't just do a word search for Jesus. <laughs> like when you read the Gospels, the story of Jesus, when you read the Old Testament, when you read the story of the Exodus, see Jesus. Because the entire Old Testament is a neon flashing sign. It's about Jesus. See Jesus. Ask those questions when you open his word. 
God, show me Jesus. Because I think sometimes if I'm real honest, I do it. I read my Bible because I'm supposed to. I read my Bible so I'll have a better day. It's like a lucky rabbit's foot sometimes. Like, I'll just rub it. I hope things go better today. Read it to see Jesus. Watch him. Learn from him. And you will. This is a promise from the lips of Jesus Christ. You will find rest for your souls. Because when Jesus enters the doorway, it is all good. (laughs) It is all good. It's when I watch my social media feed and I watch the news. When that gets in my doorway, things get anxious. When I stare at my hopes and my dreams and my fears and my insecurities, that's when the anxiety comes because I'm welcoming it into my living room. So we need to be intentional. We need to be careful. And we need to watch Jesus. I want to end with um, a couple verses. We'll leave these on the screen for 120 seconds here in a second, but I just want to read two verses. Um, and I, I, would, I want to challenge you to memorize this. I know that's weird. But I know in my life, Scripture memory is one of the best ways to see Jesus. It's Psalm 119, 33 through 37. Let me read this. Psalm 119, 33 through 37. It's four verses. Actually, five verses, sorry. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all of my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards you and your statutes, not selfish gain, and turn my eyes from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. That is a prayer God longs to answer for you. Teach me, give me, direct me, turn me, and turn my eyes to you, the one who made you. So guys, your eyes, your eyes are more valuable than you could possibly imagine. God gave them to you for a reason. And our intention and goal is 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whatever we do, we would do it for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, thank you again for your word that, it, that not only challenges us, God, but reminds us of the glories of Jesus. That it was for joy that he endured the cross. That we can see our Savior on the cross in the ultimate expression of love and care. And he invites us in to watch him and to learn from him that we might find rest for our souls. God, my heart and my prayer is that we would first see you through our need for a savior. That we wouldn't just go try and be better. Like I said last week, do more better. But we would see you and we would see us and we would know our need for you. God, I pray you do a work in us. Help us to see our need for you. And then help us to see you. 
as we walk out this life. In your son's name, amen.